As a believer, reading God's Word is a critical part of your daily spiritual journey. And because it's so important, we've created a unique new resource to help you immerse yourself in biblical truth and open your eyes to all God's Word has for you. It's a free PDF download called The Word One-to-One that takes you on a guided journey through John chapter one. With biblical text and short commentary, each page provides insights that will strengthen your faith in an easy to read guided format. There's truly no other resource like this. Download your free PDF copy today at premierinsight.org forward slash resources. That's premierinsight.org forward slash resources. The C.S. Lewis Podcast with Alistair McGrath. Thank you for listening to the show that brings you the thought and theology of C.S. Lewis with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. And you can also register there for the chance to win a free book. If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis Podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. But now for today's show. On November the 22nd, 1963, Clive Staples Lewis, Jack to many of his friends, died in Oxford, England. 60 years after C.S. Lewis's death, is he still relevant? I am joined once again by Professor Alistair McGrath, a C.S. Lewis scholar whose faith journey in many ways mirrors Lewis's own. Both men were raised in Northern Ireland, studied at Oxford University and went on to become professors there. They also both came to faith from atheism slightly later in life. Alistair has written numerous books on C.S. Lewis, including his seminal biography, C.S. Lewis, A Life. What do you think Lewis would make of the fact that many people are still engaging with his work and his ideas 60 years after his death? Do you think he'd be surprised by that? I think he'd be astonished. I think Lewis felt, you know, <laughs> well, I'm gone, I'm gone then. I mean, I think Lewis was very much aware he was, he was really engaging questions of his own day and age. And he had no idea what would come next. And, and his view was, give me five years after my death, you know, people forget about me. And rightly so. Um, we still don't really understand why Lewis is enjoying such a resurgence. I mean, to me, as a historian, um, if if the generation after you finds something valuable in you, you know, you, you really are in a very good place because it means you've passed that critical test. In effect, speaking to a new generation rather than one that you influenced originally. So I, I really don't really know what's going to happen about Lewis. My, my feeling is that Lewis will surprise us in the future. And I think that's one of the reasons why I really hope there are good Lewis scholars and experts who will, in effect, not limit Lewis, but will, in effect, open him up so that his further riches and relevance to new situations can be appreciated and explored. I guess we've talked a lot about Christians who have appreciated Lewis, people like Tim Keller. But do you think he appeals to agnostics, to atheists, to people of other faiths? I think Lewis does speak to them. He speaks to them as someone who clearly has mastered the art of writing. And he, he clearly has appreciated the role of an, or a narrative, the role of um, imagination. And actually, as I read Philip Pullman, I, I can see him paying a rather inverted homage to Lewis and like that. 
Um, <laughs> so I, I think that there's no doubt that, that many people um, would honour Lewis as a writer, even though they don't like the content of what he's writing. And that's why Pullman, I think, really is saying, I like Lewis's toolkit. I'm going to use it against him. But I think really Lewis's toolkit emerged from his own particular situation. I think really works best for the articulation of Christianity rather than its alternatives. Other faiths, I have many Jewish friends who rather like Lewis because they feel he he's deeply attuned to um, many of the great narratives of the Old Testament and how these in effect are relevant today. And I think also the appeal to history in Lewis is so strong. It's in effect, you cannot live in the present without being grounded in the past. And that's something I think we need to learn, particularly in the culture which says the, the best way of living in the present is to cut your roots of the past and start all over again. Well, I suppose for many people as well, Lewis was a very significant factor on their journey to faith, wasn't he? Well, that's right. Lewis very often would be someone who um, opened people's eyes, who um, gave them an alternative vision of reality or planted seeds, I think, which later grew into something really quite significant. So you're quite right. Lewis actually has had and I think will continue to have this um, long-term um, influence on people. It's rather like um, the parable of the seed growing in secret in Mark chapter 4. You plant a seed and it may take a very long time to grow, but actually something's going to happen. Lewis is like that. He plants seeds. Interesting to see what happens. And I guess Lewis was very passionate about kind of raising up the next generation of apologists, stepping back and, and allowing people to kind of step forward. I mean, as we look to the future of, of what might be next, do you see anyone who is the kind of C.S. Lewis of this generation or is he too hard to replicate in, in that sense? I think the simple answer is no. But let me unpack that because it needs to be very carefully nuanced. Um, Lewis was such a rich writer engaging so many topics in so many ways. I just don't think there's going to be anybody who's going to be able to quite match his gifts, his concerns, his range. But there will be other people who I think will be able to pick up on part of that. In other words, will say, well, I can't do everything Lewis did, but I can do this. And that's, that's good enough for me, I think. I think the important thing is that Lewis will inspire people in different ways to do different things. Something Lewis did not do was think about films, in other words, um, using the visual image. And I think, again, I want to come back to that point. Actually, we are much more sensitized to the importance of um, moving images, still images for our culture. I think perhaps the next generation might make more use of images and um, movies, um, things posted on YouTube, for example, which might well be able to do something along the lines of what Lewis did using the spoken or written word only. Before we rejoin the rest of today's podcast, I have a very special offer for you to help you have an even more meaningful spiritual experience this Easter. As you know, N.T. Wright is without doubt one of the greatest Christian thinkers and apologists of our time, and some of Tom Wright's answers to questions about Jesus' death, resurrection and return are some of the most poignant and thought-provoking. That's why we've created a brand new downloadable devotional resource that's perfect for the Easter season featuring these questions and Tom's answers. This five-day devotional journey titled Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return is only available to friends like you as our thanks for your gift today. And remember, your support is truly critical to help keep resources and podcasts like Ask Inti Write Anything and Unbelievable going strong. 
because this ministry is completely funded by friends like you. So please give the very best gift you can today and make sure to download your copy of Jesus' Death, Resurrection and Return devotional at premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. That's premierinsight.org forward slash C.S. Lewis. Thank you. This might be like asking you to pick your favourite child, Alistair, but do you have a favourite piece of work or idea or quotation of Lewis? I find it varies from one day to another, from one task to another. I just okay. find there's so much there to pick up on. And the quotation I use excessively, which irritates an awful people, is the final sentence of is theology poetry. I believe in Christianity as I believe the sun has risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. And... Um, People kind of, I can see people in audiences nudging themselves, he's going to come to that bit now. <laughs> but I think the key point is there's so much from Lewis, it's very, very difficult to restrict him to any particular work or indeed any particular quotation. He's just a very rich writer. And I guess on that point, him being a rich writer and having written so much, if someone is wanting to engage with Lewis for the first time, is there anywhere that you would recommend them going? I know that's that's a message I get a lot on social media is, oh, I'm only just getting into C.S. Lewis. Where would you recommend I start? And I would love to throw to the expert here, Alistair. What, what would be a good place for people to start if they're wanting to engage with Lewis but perhaps have no previous experience of C.S. Lewis? I think mere Christianity is quite a good starting place. Let me tell you why. First of all, the chapters are quite short. They're only about um, sometimes 1,500, sometimes 1,200 words long. In effect, you can take it slowly, which is what Lewis meant to do. It's originally radio broadcast. And actually give you a flavor for his approach, for the way he speaks. And that's quite helpful. If you feel that you'd rather have something which engages a sense of identity, a sense of uh, who Lewis is, you might think of surprise by joy. The difficulty with that is that actually it's quite a slow burn, that you, know, you, you need to kind of stay with it and, and, and let it, have it work its magic on you slowly. But I guess the other obvious thing to do is to say the lion, the witch and the wardrobe. I think that will captivate you by its style, by um, the, the, the plot line, by Lewis's clear ability to be a narrative writer. And that, I think, will draw you into Lewis. So those are the three books I think you might think about. And interestingly, all written about the same time when Lewis was at his peak as an imaginative writer. I think one thing I'd add to that, Alistair, as well, I was really struck when we were going through the Space Trilogy together, which you can listen to on the podcast, um, because there's some parts of that were actually quite a difficult read. And one of the things that you recommended was perhaps to read that alongside other people and maybe take a chapter together and then discuss it. And I wonder if actually that's a really good thing to do, even with those slightly easier books, Mere Christianity, Surprised by Joy, the Narnia Chronicles, to do it alongside a friend or a group of people and then discuss those ideas. Yes, that's a, that's a good way of studying any book. And Lewis, I think, would benefit from that, particularly because uh, Mere Christianity, for example, chapters are quite short. So you could, in effect, read them in advance, come together and designate somebody as discussion leader and then just work through it. I mean, I think what I often find is that when you have a group of people talking about things, some people have insights that others have missed. That's why the, the Inklings was such an important group for Lewis, because it was not simply offering encouragement and criticism. Very often it was offering insights that he had missed, because there are other people there who could see things he hadn't. 
Now, one of the questions, I'm guessing given everything you've said, this is probably going to be a no. But given that Lewis was would perhaps be so surprised that people are still talking about him 60 years after his death, do you think there is ever going to be, I guess, a shelf life on his relevance? Will there ever be a time when actually he will cease to speak to us relevantly? I think every writer has a kind of shelf life. Um, and that's true of very good writers. What very often happens, though, is, is a writer may fall into neglect and then somebody rediscovers that writer and, in effect, begins um, uh, a campaign or a writing schedule which really brings that writer back to write life. That might happen with Lewis. But I think what I'm going to say is that with the ability now of um, digital communication to allow a single person to reach a very large audience if they say things that the audience is interested in, Lewis may well um, continue to be significant precisely because there are so many people obvious at the moment who are doing this kind of thing. And I think if Lewis does fall a favour in the future, I think there may be a fallow period, but then a period of revival. I'll be around to see that, but that's my, that's my hunch. Alistair, as we finish up, is there anything that you would say, sort of summing up everything we've said today, that why 60 years after C.S. Lewis's death, he is still relevant to modern society? Because he's great to read, because he really sets out a vision of what life is all about, that although it's located in his own day and age, can easily be transferred to a different day and age. I think most important of all, He's interesting and he will stimulate you to think great thoughts. He's a resource person, someone who is interesting to read, but also expands your horizons. We need more people like that, but Lewis will do us very well for the moment. Alistair, one final question. As we go out and try and imitate Lewis as best as we can, do you think there's any advice that he would give budding apologists, imaginative writers, evangelists to go and do what Lewis did so well? Well, I think Lewis would urge us to listen to people, to try and understand the language they're using, the questions they're raising, before you start giving answers which are pitched at the wrong level and in the wrong language. I think that's a very important point. The other thing I would say is Lewis had a very strong sense of vocation. He had a sense, look, um, I'm an atheist who became a Christian, and I, I know why, and and has a sense I could be almost like an apostle to the apostates, you know, in effect, being able to speak to people when I once myself was an atheist. And so I think one of the things Lewis would invite us to do is to ask, what is our sense of calling? Who we call to write or speak for or to? And I think that would help us. And the final thing to say very simply is Lewis very often felt immensely discouraged. He felt he wasn't a very good apologist. He wasn't a very good writer. Um, and yet he kept going. And I think we all need to have that word of encouragement. You, know, you keep going. Uh, you may feel you're not doing as well as you could, but maybe others feel differently. And maybe they will encourage you to keep going and maybe even become better. Perhaps we all need some inklings around us. Alistair, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, it's been such fun talking about these really interesting things. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast with me, Ruth Jackson. Discover more about Lewis by visiting premierunbelievable.com, where you can also find lots of great articles, resources and podcasts. And do register there for the chance to win a free book. That's premierunbelievable.com. 
If you enjoy listening to the C.S. Lewis podcast, please do consider rating and reviewing it. Thank you for listening and see you next time.